Well, thank you, Lord. Right now, we just keep our thoughts on you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you for your heart of worship. But Holy Spirit, we look to you now as we open your word. We thank you that you take hold with us. You give us your inspiration and your leading. And we choose to follow you this morning. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you don't like worshiping, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> you know, I, was, I think it was last month I was reading through the book of Revelations, and as John was up there in heaven with God and he was revealing things to them, there was so many times where the people of heaven just bowed down and worshiped God for an extended period of time. It says the leaders, they threw down their crowns and there was silence in heaven for 20 minutes as they just worshiped God with all that they were in their hearts. It says that there's a sea of glass before him that is the, the saints just joined in worship before God. If the angels have been worshiping him for eternity up until this point and will continue to do it, guess what? We go and we get to join in with them. So if you don't like the worship, heaven is not going to be fun for you. But maybe he'll be able to do some heart changes before then, eh? Hallelujah. You know, we've been on a series for the last six weeks, this is week seven, on the name of Jesus, and we're going to try and wrap a little bow up on it. And you know, last week was, I think I only preached about a quarter of my message, and it was just one of those crazy services, and Brandon, don't sit down, you might as well just come and join me. Yeah. And so I'm not just about the show. I want you guys to know everything that's going on behind the scenes and everything. But you have to understand, so it was seven weeks ago now, Brandon was in an accident and tore out his knee. And so up until last week, for those of you who weren't here, you missed a good service. You should have been here. Sorry, that's all I can say about it. <laughs> but Brandon has been on a cane for six weeks. And there was no progress happening. He was on medication all day long just so that he could withstand the pain. And last week, by his choice, I went back and I told him, I said, hey, Brandon, I'm not going to make you run, but if you want to run, I'll go with you. Because, you know, in Brandon's strength, six weeks, he hadn't been able to do, make any progress. In six weeks, zero progress. And so Brandon chose to step out in faith. And we went for a run three times around this this room here and then out the door and down the street and then about halfway down the street I gave up <laughs> I was like yeah no I'm, I'm not doing it doing this and one thing Brandon and I were talking about afterwards is that we often get wrapped up in feeling like everything needs to be instantaneous and looking for the spectacular has robbed people of the supernatural we often think that everything needs to be like, boom, right then, person up out of the wheelchair, you know, immediate results. But you have to understand that things that weren't getting better, now getting better, is just as miraculous as it being instantaneous. And so Brandon went home last Sunday, you can verify this as I tell the story, that up until that point, every day he would have gauged his pain at about a nine. And so you would have thought after last week and his uh, running around that it would be at a zero, but you went home and it was at a seven. But it was the first time in six weeks he didn't have to take medication because he wanted to pass out from the pain. And since then, it's been progressively getting better. Six weeks, zero progress. One week, there's no cane. 
You're not taking the medication anymore, right? He's now, now the greatest thing, that I think, why I've checked with him on Wednesday, and what did you tell me? Here, let me grab this mic. About work. Oh, so, there's a lot. Shoot on. Crank him up. <laughs> Point it up. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> so, lately I've been, when I go to work, when I was doing the field or whatever, I was not exactly excited to go to work. So now, being in the office, feeling, now feeling better, even last two weeks. I've been excited to go to work. <laughs> I've been happier to go to work as opposed to, oh crap, i got to get up at six. <laughs> now, it's, now the alarm goes off, I'm up, the dog's already outside, I've made my own lunch, I put it. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. She, that's, that's a big step. I made my own lunch. Packed it. But there's been a few times I've been excited to get to work that I've actually forgot my lunch in the fridge. Tori's had to call me and say, you forgot your lunch again. <laughs> but like, I, I grabbed my muffin there in the morning I have, and I had that, and I thought, so I've been excited. Even, even now, they, there's a promotion on at work, and I'm actually in for it, which will put me in the office more. But I wasn't up. Before then, they didn't even consider me because I'm a field technician. I go to office. They wouldn't feel the office is a big step, especially since it's a corporate job. But since I've been in the office, they gave me the pretty much acting job of it. I, they've, I've exceeded what they were hoping I could get caught up with. So again, it's, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Now, I wanted him to share that part. You can sit down. I'm not going to make you stand up here the whole time with me. I wanted him to share that part because there's something about sickness that people don't realize is that if you go back to the beginning in Genesis, when sin first entered in the world, what happened? They then started getting sick. And one of the things that we don't realize about sickness is that it's there to try and rob you of your enjoyment of life. And so over those six weeks, though Brandon likes his job, it was like that enjoyment was gone. And God has been able to take a situation that he did not cause. But I like what Romans says. He says that he works all things to the good of those who love him. And so now he's able to take it and the, God has restored the joy of it. Because I wanted to take some time to explain that this morning because often we get uh, wrapped up in the look of how things are, but I want you to know what's really going on because often people look at me like, oh, I wish God would do that for me. Step out. Work with him and let him work along with you. It's not, it doesn't have to be, oh, my life just changed. He works with us. And one of the things that, that God told me, I think it was almost two years ago now, he said, most people are looking for the many moments. Everything changed, but God works with you in the many moments. What are you believing for at this moment? What are you allowing this moment? What are you going to contend for this moment? And so we believe that after six weeks of no progress, we'll take a week of progress and it can just can hurry up on its way. And as I told Brandon, you get to set the, set the boundaries. What you'll do and what you don't, what you're willing to grab hold of and what you're not. And Brandon's not special. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is what God does for one, he'll do for another. <laughs> oh, praise God. But the thing is, supernatural things happen when the name of Jesus is applied. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, 
And then he goes through the list. And it says those who believe. These, these things don't happen with those who don't believe because of the very fact that he said, believe and use my name. What are you willing to fight for? What are you f- willing to contend for? Go ahead and trust him. Go ahead and grab hold. So why don't we jump ahead here? I was, there was a bunch of stuff I was going to preach this morning, but I think I'm just going <laughs> to do whatever. <laughs> and so in order to go forward... I think we need to go backwards. And in order to do that, let's go to Acts chapter 3, if you're following along in your Bibles with me this morning. Acts chapter 3 says, Now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. And so he's Laid daily. We have to understand that this is not a one-time occurrence. This is something that has been happening every day in this man's life. And we find out later on in the next chapter that he was over 40 years old. So for the last 40 years, there's been no progress in this man's life. And he says, who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And so leaping he up, he stood and he walked and he entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Because when good things happen in your life, don't be afraid to praise God for it. Now the thing about this is this man was doing it in front of everybody else. And I like the song that we used to sing in Sunday school. He went walking and leaping and praising God. This, I don't think it was that put together. I think it was like a, ah, you know? I've been 40 years not been able to walk, and now I can walk. Sometimes decorum will hold you back. I ended last week's service by saying, dare to look foolish. Dare to look foolish. God will meet you where you're at. And so this man starts making a commotion and says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And why it's important that we notice, you know what happened after this? Everybody's mobbing the guy going, what's going on? And it gave Peter and John an outlet to now share the love of God. And you know that 5,000 people got saved because of that one man's miracle. 5,000 people. And Peter, when he boiled it all down in front of them, he said this, and his name, or the name of Jesus, and through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and you know, yes, the faith which comes through him, meaning Jesus, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That's a great story. I love it. It's one of my most favorite stories in the book of Acts. But what I want to focus on this morning is Peter. you got to love Peter. He's just one of like the most uh, flamboyant characters of the the New Testament. And uh, he's often remembered more for his faults than his victories. But here's one of his good times. And uh, 
the thing that I want you to know is that just a few days before this, Peter had his worst failure. Why do I say that? Because we often try to disqualify ourselves, saying I haven't done it good enough, long enough. Oh, come on. Am I, I'm not the only one who's been there. We often like to look at ourselves and look at all the reasons why we shouldn't be able to do something. Peter not only screwed up, he denied the Lord three times. And just a few days later, at this point, has already gotten over 9,000 people saved. Just, just a few days. Just a few days. That's what Jesus coming and living inside of you will do. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit will do to you. It'll take your faults, it'll take your weaknesses, it'll wash you away and use you anyway. And so Peter, who just a few short days before this, was hiding. A little servant girl said to him, aren't you one of the disciples? No, no, definitely not, not one of them. Some of the other servants said, aren't you, don't you, aren't you one of the guys that follows along with Jesus? No, no, of course not. And gets to the third time and he starts swearing at them saying, no, of course it's not me. I don't follow him. So the Holy Spirit and the filling of Jesus have taken Peter from being a coward to the point where he now stands up in front of thousands of people and says, such as I have, I give you. Which means something changed in Peter. He used to look at what he didn't have, and we could call him a coward in some sort of situations. He stopped looking at what he had, and he started looking at what he'd been given. Do you know what you've been given? Do you know what you've been given? And so here's what we find Peter. The situation starts, and he says, fixing his eyes on him with John, he said, look at us. The first thing Peter did is he got the man to get, stop looking at himself. You know when people have been in a, in a rough situation for a long time, they start to look like this? And so the first thing Peter wanted to do was, get your head up here. And I think as Christians, that's what we need to remember when, the, when stuff starts getting rough. Put your head up and look I love the psalm that says, I look up to the mountains where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. When life wants to get on your back and make you do this, go ahead and look up and it'll fall off. Peter says, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And that's an important point of this story. There was a connection between what Peter and John were wanting to give and there was someone in expectation to receive it. It wasn't what he was looking for. He was looking for some money and what Peter and John had to give was better than any silver or any gold. And it's not that Peter and John didn't have any silver and gold. They just knew that that is not what this man needs here. And so they said, look at us. 
and he turns with his attention expecting to receive something. When you come before God or when you come to church on our Sunday mornings or any of our other meetings, what are you expecting to receive? I like what Mark Hankins says. He says, expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. If you come with an open heart ready to receive from God, you will be filled. And so he was expecting to receive. And so Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I want you to look at how Peter prayed here. If we were to go watch most healing services right now, this is what it would look like. Oh God, please, if you could, if you could see fit, Jessica has a need in her body right now, God. And we just, we just need you to do something about it. We need you to heal her body. Oh, Jesus, please heal her body. Do you notice Peter's prayer didn't look anything like that? And I want to reference you back to Mark chapter 16, where he said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You notice he didn't say, pray for the sick. He said, lay hands on the sick. In the name of Jesus. And so Peter, he doesn't mince any words. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up! As Christians, we got to stop tiptoeing around the works of the enemy. If it ain't good, it ain't God, don't, deal, don't put up with it. Tell it where to go and go ahead and give it a little attitude. And so Peter, he just says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that wasn't even enough for him. The next verse says, and he took him by the right hand. You have to understand this word took him is not just like he grabbed him by the hand like this. The word took him, I'll use Garnet for this one, means to <laughs> grab in order to apprehend and imprison. That's what the word took him was. He didn't just gently grab him. Thanks, Garnet. He didn't just gently grab him. He said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then he said, you're not doing it fast enough. Let me help you along with it. And pulled him to his feet. Why did Peter do this? He knew who was there to back him up. When you understand the power that has been put in you and the authority that you have, you're not going to mince around the problem. You're going to be a little authoritative. You're going to tell it where to go. If you're done with something, you should tell it where to go and stop putting up with it. You realize that the enemy can't stand against you. If you want it to change, you tell it to change. Now, this is not the type of language you would hear in most churches but we need to substitute what you would hear in church for what you hear in the Bible and let that be our guide. And so Peter said, in the name of Jesus, get up and then help the man up. And God took hold with them and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Why did Peter have such a backbone when just a few days ago he had none?
He now has Jesus. He's now got the Holy Spirit. And all of those messages he heard for three and a half years are starting to kick in. Well, what messages are you talking about, Pastor Jordan? I'm so glad you asked me that question. (laughs) You know that Jesus spent three years preparing them for a day that he wasn't even going to be there with? And so this is the things that Jesus was teaching them. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And these things the Lord appointed, 70 others also, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So here we have Jesus. This is not even the 12 disciples. He did send out the 12. But here he's going beyond the 12 disciples and he's chosen 70 other people and he's sending them out into the cities that he's about to go. And here's what he says to them. The harvest is truly is great and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest and send out to send out laborers into it. And he tells them this. He tells them, God will provide. Don't even take money with you. <laughs> Uh, I, I was thinking about this just a few days ago and I was like, that's a head tilt. He sent them out and said, don't worry, I'll provide. Don't take your things. You realize that when you're on God's mission that he sent you on, he provides? Why do, why do, why do so many Christians have problems with prosperity? God provides where he guides you. And so the first thing he tells them is, don't even take your own money, I'll provide. He said, go into the house and speak peace over it. And then he tells them, heal the sick. This is before the cross. This is before the Holy Spirit. This is before Jesus has ascended on high. At this point, they're doing things on credit for something that hasn't even happened yet. And we look now post-cross, and think, well, I can't do that. Well, how come before the cross they could when God directed them? And then the 70 returned with joy. (laughs) If followed most Christians today, it'd be in the, and the, the, the 70 returned in depression because, you know, nothing happened when they went out. No, he said the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He didn't tell them to go cast out demons. I think they just started healing people and they were like, oh my goodness, this works. And then said, what else do you got? (laughs) And I loved Jesus' response to them saying this. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What you're seeing is nothing. And I I was thinking about this just before the service. When you think of the imagery of lightning, you can get it, the idea, lightning is powerful, lightning is fast. You realize that it's not like lightning because God had to use a lot of power. It's like lightning because Satan had no ability to resist. That even in the slightest flick of God's finger, Satan was gone. Now, God got in you. Sorry, let me say that again. God got in you. It's not even in them yet in Luke 10. God got in you. 
The next verse, he says this. Behold, I give you, everyone say me, authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said to them, I give you authority. Now, normally, when we're going through passages, I like to point out to you where the places where I feel that the Hebrew or the Greek does not quite accurately reflect what they've put in the English. But here, they did a good job. And that's because they corrected it. In the King James, back in 16-whatever, whenever they did it, it said, Behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But these are two different words. The word authority here is the word exousia. And the word down here for power is dunamis. And dunamis is our, our word where we get our root for dynamite. It's something that makes something change. It's a, a, a landscape rearranging power, if you will. But the, worst, the first thing he gave us was authority. Because if you don't have the authorization to use the power, the power does you no good if it's locked up in heaven in God's cabinet. He says, I give you the authority over all of the power of the enemy. The word exousia is power of authority or influence and of right or privilege. God has given you the authority to influence the situations of your light, your life by the privilege of being his son and daughter. Let me say that again. God has given you the power and authority to influence the situations of your life because of the right and the privilege of being a son and a daughter of God. Now, John McMillan, who was a Canadian guy, about 100 years ago wrote a book called The Authority of the Believer. He was a Presbyterian minister, and I believe he ended up getting kicked out because they didn't like what he had to say about this topic. But he said, authority is delegated power. I want to ask you, whose power was delegated to us? Go ahead and say it louder, Gail. God's. Come on, well, it's okay if we have a little feedback this morning. We're already having a weird service. <laughs> God's power was the one that was delegated to you. Now, I have to ask the question then, what happens when God uses his power? Stuff happens. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Miss Teacher. Stuff happens. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be an earth, and there was earth. Let there be animals, and there was animals. Rise up and walk, and they got up and walked. Eyes see, and they could see. Leprosy gone, and it was gone. What did God's power do in Jesus? That's the same power that has been delegated to you. If you want to think about authority in this way, in its usage of power, a good example is police officers. In 2003, we were in Toronto during the great blackout of 2003. The whole eerie loop of the eastern seaboard went out all through Ohio and Pennsylvania. Everyone went blank, and I think the worst place you'd want to be is in the middle of a major city. 
But the thing that always stuck with me is here, there's no power. There's no traffic lights, nothing. And here is a police officer out in the middle of the road saying to this car, you stop, you go. This car, you come now. Directing the traffic. Now I have to ask you the question. Can that police officer stop that car? Does he possess the power if that car decides to go, can he stop it? Then why do they stop? Because of the authority behind the badge. Why does the enemy listen to you? Because of the authority behind the badge. Why does sickness have to bend its knee to you? Because of the authority behind the badge. Sure, a car may try and run that police officer, but you've got to know there's a thousand other police officers now on your butt. The power of heaven has been authorized for your use. It's been delegated to you. Uh, John McMillan shares a really cool story of William Gladstone, the Prime Minister of England, going before Queen Victoria. And Parliament had passed a new law and he brought it to her to put her signature on it like is required by the, their constitutional law. And he brings it before her and she reads it and she says, I don't like this. I am not signing this. And he says, but ma'am, you have to sign this. I don't like it and I will not sign it. He says, but ma'am, you have to sign this. We've already passed it. And she stomped her foot at him and said, do you not know that I am the Queen of England? And he smiled back at her and said, yes, ma'am, you are. And I am the people of England. And she stopped, thought about it, signed the bill and handed it back. Why? Because within the last 80 years, France just chopped off all their aristocrats' heads. People have power. You have power because of Jesus. And so Satan fell like lightning because he couldn't resist the power that God had. And that power now got in you. And so they come back to Jesus and they're all excited saying, even the demons listen. Not one of them said, but I was hungry the whole time because he didn't provide. But I laid hands on the sick and they didn't get well. I, didn't, I spoke peace, but it still stayed in turmoil. Not a single one of those 70 people. Hallelujah. And so he said to them, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Power is delegated to you to influence situations because of your right as a child of God is greater than all of the power of the enemy. Yes. Your right as a child of God is greater than all the power of the enemy. Let me say it again. Your right as a child of God is greater than all the power of the enemy. Yes. So what are you putting up with? But then Jesus in the next verse says this. He says, nevertheless... Do not rejoice in this, that you, the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
Why did Jesus say this? I, I often thought about that. And you, I've, I have to look back in my own life and see different people that God has used. It's really easy for you to get a big head and think it's all about you. And so he reminded them, the only reason this happens is because you are a kid of the king. Remember that. But as he tells them one thing, this is what he does. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. <laughs> That's right, Jess, because they're getting it. Jesus rejoiced because he's like, yes, they get it. Yes, they're doing it. Yes, when I'm gone, it will continue. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and you've revealed them to the babes. Even so, Father, for it so seemed good in your sight. Jesus just said, it's not because of who you are. He reveals it to the babes. And like that's why, why he also says that if you come with the faith of a child, children don't think about whether they measure up. They just come. And so Jesus says this, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. <laughs> So everything God had, he gave to Jesus. And then Jesus gave to you and got inside you. <laughs> and no one knows the, who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and no one in whom the, Son, uh, whom the Son wills to reveal him. And then he turns to his disciples and he said to them privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. This for me, we need to stop doing it in our own power. I had no power with Brandon. Brandon had no power with Brandon, right? Six weeks. Brandon had no power with Brandon. But as soon as he let God get in the situation and acted on his promises rather than our results, Things started moving. Hallelujah. Why don't you go ahead and just lift up your hands. Father, we just thank you. I just want to take a moment to bless you, Jesus. I just want to say thank you for your goodness, your strength in us, your power in us. I thank you for the authority that you've given to us. Not by our strength, by our might, but by your spirit. And we thank you for it. So Peter, everything changed for Peter post the cross, post the Holy Spirit. The message of the authority of God began to come alive on side of him. There was a difference between him knowing about it before the cross and him walking in it after the cross. You know, I, I think... There's been times in my life where I've done it wrong more than I've done it right. But yet I've always seen God come through. Because he doesn't look at my strength. 
He doesn't look at your strength. But you know something? Jesus was always moved with compassion on this earth. He would see people in need. He would see people hurting. And his heart would go out, I want to help it. I want to fix it. I think a lot of things would change for us if we allowed ourselves to be moved by that same compassion. Right? To stretch forth our hands like he told us to. To use our authority that he had given us. (sighs) So, the story that we were just reading in Acts chapter 3, it continues on into chapter 4. And it says, they spoke, now as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. <laughs> you know, that's really funny. It just reminded me of a story. Um, a friend of ours, Jim Hockaday, had been preaching. It was probably about 10 years ago now. He was at this uh, little, little church and there wasn't very many people there. And as he was preaching his message a guy in the back all of a sudden went, and died. He didn't know he died at that moment. The guy just let out the death growl and evacuated his bowels right there. You know, nurse came over, no pulse. They called the ambulance. He's preaching. He knows something just happened to this man because he heard it. And he just went, it's okay, guys. We just speak Jesus to that body in the name of Jesus now. And the man also went, it's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> What's, why is everybody around me? Went, in, uh, went out because, you know, he evacuated his bowels. Cleaned himself up. The ambulance arrives, and they're like, we heard you have a dead guy. And he met them at the door. He's like, well, I guess that was me. <laughs> they check him out. Nothing wrong with him. He goes home. The guy was 82 years old. He went home and chopped down a tree that very day. And so afterwards, they're telling Jim, like, yeah, he had no pulse, there was nothing. He was no breath, he evacuated his bowels, the man was dead. And he's like, I am so thankful that I didn't know that because I would have tried to do it differently. When life in that body in the name of Jesus was enough. Why did I say that? Because... You don't have to work it. You don't have to make it happen. You just need to be a willing hand. Why don't you stand on your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. There's no one like you, Lord. So we give you all honor. Yes, we give you all praise For you alone are worthy Yes, Jesus Hallelujah This is how we're going to do it this morning If you have pain in your body you have sickness in your body, whatever's going on, I'm not going to lay hands on you. You want to know why I'm not going to lay hands on you? Because the same power that was delegated to me by God was delegated to you. 
And something God told Brother Hagin years and years and years and years ago was, these hands that you lay on people, they also touch you, don't they? So wherever your pain is, go ahead and put your hand on it. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we speak life in Jesus' name. We speak wholeness in Jesus' name. We command it to line up with what you have said in your word that surely you have borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. And so we thank you that if you carried them, then we won't anymore. And so we speak them whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sing that part, Tope. Why not? Yes, Lord. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the
confidence working. He is the way maker. And as I began to sing that, hiking on the trail, the anointing of God got all over me. And the, my knees did not hurt. My hips did not hurt. And so keep it before you. We might meditate on these things of your authority of what you have been given. Now don't go anywhere. Father, we just thank you right now in this body. In this body. A revival of vision. A revival of purpose. Oh, a revival of your goodness, Father. Oh, from the top of her head down to the soles of her feet. We thank you that there is change that has entered this body. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Never stop working, never stop, never stop working. Even when I can feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. like to close the service without giving opportunity for you to receive Jesus if you haven't before. If you're watching us via the internet, hey, this is as good a time as ever just to reach out and receive Jesus. And we would love to pray with you right now. So church, why don't you pray along with us? We say, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Right now we receive him. We thank you that you raised him from the dead. And we receive him as our Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would like to get some resources in your hands and get you hooked up with a good church in your area. But guys, you have to remember it's already in you. It's not in this building. It's not in your neighbor. Well, it is. But when you go home, it's in you. So let it loose. Find somebody to help. Let Jesus back you up. I think you'll find yourself surprised when he does it differently than what you thought. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you. Sorry, I, I, I just... You get sometimes it's just like, I don't know how to close. <laughs> you know, you can go forever. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for meeting here, us here this morning. But well, I thank you that you go with us where we go. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are blessed. Let's have some coffee and fellowship. <laughs>